If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 is where we'll be looking this morning together. Uh, We have been in a series entitled Life on Mission, and we have been digging into what it looks like to live out in obedience to Christ the mission that he's left for us to live. And my hope has been that no matter where you are on your journey... No matter if you have yet to maybe accept Christ as your Savior or if you've been walking with Him for a number of years, that this series will help you to have a deeper understanding of what Jesus Christ is calling you to and that you will make the choice to follow Him more fully. If you're glad today that no matter how long you've lived for Christ, that you can choose to follow Him deeper today, say amen. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful he continues to call us. Last week we talked about his call upon our life to connect and and reminded you that Jesus came to connect God to you and he also came to connect God to others through you. That he can work in us in such a way that we can connect others to God because of the love that he pours into our hearts. And at the end of the service, I invited you to join with me in allowing the Holy Spirit to identify people in your life that you felt like God was calling you to uh, connect to. And, And I'll just be honest with you. I was overwhelmed by your response last week. As we as we took those cards where you responded during our communion time and as we gathered those and as we began to to pray over them, um, my heart was so full thinking about the potential of what God wants to do through this great group of people that I'm looking at this morning. If you're thankful for what God's going to do, say amen. And I believe today that God is going to help us as we continue to pray and ask God to give us the the, the courage and to give us the wisdom to be able to connect with these people that God has placed in our life. There are great things coming, and we praise the Lord for that this morning. Today we look at the next characteristic of a life lived on mission, and that is that we are called not only to connect, but we're called to serve. We're called to serve. If we're going to live life on mission, if we're going to do what Christ is calling us to do, we must serve God by by serving others from a heart of love. I'm thankful today that Christ can pour his love into us in such a way that we can't help but to meet the needs of others around us. Tim Harlow shares a story about Elizabeth Sherrill, a writer from, uh, and publisher from New York State. And one day she was at her computer and she was just writing away at her computer there in her home and she happened to look out the window that morning and she saw this. Now I don't know how you would react even from inside your home if you saw this, but I know how I would react, right? But as she began to look a little bit closer, looking through the window, she noticed that the skunk was stumbling through the backyard and, and had what looked like a yellow helmet, of all things, attached to his head. And so she couldn't help but get up and walk over to the window and, and take a little closer look. And when she did, she realized that it wasn't a yellow helmet at all. It was a yellow yogurt carton. This skunk had been rummaging through the trash likely and had got this yellow yogurt carton fastened onto its head somehow and could not get it off. In fact, it was trying frantically to free itself from this prison over its, over its head that it had made. And as Elizabeth was watching this whole scene unfold from her computer, she said to herself, somebody should do something about that. And then she said to herself, somebody besides me should do something 
about that. Certainly, at some point, she thought this skunk is going to make its way out of my yard and it will be somebody else's problem. The only problem was that didn't happen. And so the skunk continued to just blindly try to make its way around in her yard. And eventually she realized she was the only one in a position to do something about this poor creature's condition. And so she got her phone out and she called the city's animal control. And she began to talk to someone there in the animal control department, and the conversation went something like this. Listen, I've got a skunk in my backyard, and he's wearing a yogurt carton. What should I do? And the man uh, very politely uh, answered back and said, you need to remove the yogurt carton from its head. She said, well, what if the skunk sprays me? What do I do then? He said, now, ma'am, you're fine. You're fine, you don't need to worry about that because if the skunk can't see you, he can't spray you. She said, well, yeah, that's true, but what about if I actually am able to get this carton off its head? There was a moment of silence. The man said, well, do your best not to make the skunk feel threatened. So she agreed and walked outside reluctantly only to find that the skunk had by this time disappeared. Now you're thinking what I am, answer to prayer, right? As she turned around to go back to the house, out of the bush came the skunk. She's standing face to face. Without the, thinking about all of the implications that she'd already processed, she reached down, she grabbed a hold of this yellow yogurt carton and pulled as hard as she could and, fan, and found herself very quickly standing face to face with the skunk. She held its gaze for about 10 seconds, trying not to make it feel threatened, and the skunk turned and walked away. To this day, she calls this a timeless parable for her, and here's why. She said, I now, I now realize that the skunk represented all of the needs in my life that I hesitate to get involved in. You see, involvement takes time, she writes, and I have deadlines to make. I probably can't do anything about most of those things anyway. Somebody else can handle it much better than me. Besides, involvement can be ugly, and the stench may rub off on you. And all of these things may be true, she goes on to write. But I've got a yellow pencil holder on my desk, a rather scratched and battered one to remind me that every now and again, God answers a need with me. Every now and again, God answers a need with me. I want you to understand this morning that God is looking to answer a need with me, and he's looking to answer needs around us with you. Last week we talked about making connections and having conversations with those who are far from Christ. And as we began to look and talk and share with people around us who, who don't know Jesus, as we begin to do that, we're going to hear and we're going to see ways that we can serve them from a heart of love. We're going to hear stories come from them where God is going to begin to open our thinking and open our eyes to see ways that we can tangibly reach out and show them. Not just tell them about the love of Christ, but show them 
the love of Christ. In other words, we let his love pour into us so that we can pour it out in service to others. And aren't you thankful the Holy Spirit is faithful? He's faithful to us in so many ways, but can I remind you today that he is faithful to help us to see, if we're willing to look, for avenues of need that someone needs to meet. And often our first reaction isn't much different than Elizabeth's, right? Often our first reaction isn't much different. It goes something like this. Somebody needs to do something. As pastor, I I have those conversations a lot. Pastor, like, we need to do something, right? Here's this going on, and something has to be done, right? Why? Because because our eyes have been opened to this need, and we realize that something has to happen. So that's normally where we start. Somebody needs to do something. Somebody needs to reach out. Somebody needs to lend a hand. Somebody needs to help. Somebody needs to listen. Somebody needs to do something to make a difference. The question this morning is, could that somebody be you. God is looking to answer a need with you. And I don't know how that makes you feel this morning, but can I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that he would entrust you and I enough to open our heart to him and say, Jesus, if you can help me, I'll do what you ask me to do. You know, there's an interesting passage of Scripture in Matthew 25. And I want you to look with me there. Here, Jesus, in in the whole chapter of Matthew 25, Jesus is sharing. He's sharing about what the kingdom of heaven will be like in the last days. And about things that will take place when he comes again. He shares the hour of his coming is unknown. No one knows for sure when Jesus is coming back. That we always have to be ready, right? We have to be ready for his return. We have to be living in such a way that we're prepared for Jesus to come at any moment. That during this wait that we have on him to return, that our light should be shining brightly. That we should be sharing with others all that he has done for us and, and living out what his love looks like actively before them. That we need to be using our talents and gifts and abilities that God has given us through the power of his spirit to touch lives and to reach into situations that are difficult. And then he describes a day when a great separation is going to take place. In fact, Jesus uses sheep and goats to picture this division between believers and unbelievers. You know, sheep and goats often graze together, but they were separated at night, from what I understand, because the goat uh, needed a warm shelter, but the sheep would often prefer the, the, the open air. Now think about this. The sheep and goat, they live together, they graze together, but just, and, and that's just like believers and unbelievers today. We're, we're, we live life together so often throughout the week. We live life together. But in the end, Jesus, the Bible tells us, will judge and will separate people one from another. Those who have lived in obedience to God's will and his plan for their life, have accepted him as their savior, will, will, will live their lives with him and spend eternity in heaven. If you're looking forward to that day, Christian, would you say amen? That day is coming, and I hope that you're looking forward to that day. 
But those who have chosen to live their life for themselves and those who have chosen to reject God's plan of salvation through Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. The Bible is really clear. There are only two options, and the choice that is made will be a final decision one day. All peoples, the Bible tells us, and all nations will stand before Jesus, and he will separate individuals, for each one of us is responsible for our own salvation. You understand that, right? We're each responsible. We each have that decision to make. And I want you to, with that background in mind, I want you to hear this passage of Scripture. I believe this is one of those passages that is often kind of plucked out of its context and used in a lot of different ways. But I want you to hear it in the context of this is the great day when Jesus is separating, right? Listen to what the Bible tells us. Verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. And all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a, shepherd, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I debated this week whether to read that passage in its entirety, but I think we often fail to hear it in its context. What classifies which side of Jesus that we will stand on? Now stick with me this morning as you think about this and process, process this with me. With me, which, What classifies which side of Jesus that we will stand on? What classifies whether we will spend eternity with Jesus in heaven or spend eternity forever separated from Jesus in hell? Well, let me share a couple other verses of Scripture with you. Here's what Ephesians tells us. Ephesians chapter 
chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Not by works, so that no one can boast. But it goes on. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. See, we, we know this is true. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved today because Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross. His blood was shed on Calvary. He paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that the slate could be wiped clean and he could forgive us and remember our sins no more. If you're glad for that, say amen. So glad for that today. We are saved by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But receiving God's grace also places a responsibility on us to share that same love and grace and mercy with others around us. Jesus Christ saves us to transform us so completely that our life is changed and we can't help but serve others in love just exactly the way that Jesus did. Aren't you glad? It's the fruit of the work that Jesus Christ has done in us. Not for our glory, not to draw attention to ourselves, but it's because it's the natural outflow of God's grace at work in our lives today. That we could, think about it, we can have the same heart that Jesus had. We can be transformed in such a way that we can love the way Jesus loved and our fruit should show that. James would say this. James would say that it's impossible for us to believe upon Christ for salvation and receive that, that work of grace in our life, to open our heart and receive his love, that it's impossible for that to happen, and then choose to not share that love with others around us. Listen to this passage of scripture from James chapter two. Here's what he says. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother, sister, brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. I believe the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here in Matthew 25 is complementing these other passages because he describes this great separation that's gonna take place. This judgment that takes place looks at the way our faith has been lived out practically. It looks, it, looks, it looks at the way that we have lived our life as a result of the saving work of Jesus Christ in our heart. It fo focuses on this natural outflow, what should be a natural outflow of obedience to the opportunities that we've been given. And we all are given opportunities day after day after day to allow Christ's love to be lived out us in a world that is so desperate to experience the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus. And 
Jesus has designed it in such a way that they can experience it through us. This, this, this list describes these acts of mercy, right? All of these things that Jesus talks about here very specifically in these verses. And these acts, they don't depend upon how wealthy we are. They don't depend upon our abilities. They don't depend upon how smart or intelligent we are. They are simple acts that even a child can do. Jesus said, this is the way you serve and live out love to those around you. I think it's interesting that the righteous people didn't even realize that the things that they had done were actually done to Christ. When did we do those things, they said. How did we do that? And Jesus simply looks at them and said, you know, when you, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Now that can be interpreted some different ways, but here's what I like to believe is that these people who Jesus is describing here had lived such a natural outflow of this love of Christ in their life that it just came so naturally to them that they were just living that way and living that way and it was being poured out and they didn't really even understand all that was happening because they were just wanting to be pleasing to God's direction in their life. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I'm not sure about you, but I kind of want that to be the picture of my life, don't you? But the interesting thing is that Jesus does identify it here for us. It's like he teaches us here, and so now we know that when we do any of these things in his name, when we have accepted him as our savior and, and we begin to allow his love to flow through us, that any of these th things that are done in his, his name are as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. Now think about this with me this morning. Every person on earth was created in the image of God. If you're thankful today that you've been created in the image of our creator, say amen. I mean, we have been created in his image. That means, and everyone who's, who's ever been born has been created in the image of God. That means whoever we touch, no matter how marred or fallen, think about this, bears the image of our Savior. When we lovingly serve them, we're serving Jesus. No matter how distressing the disguise, one author would put it this way, no matter how distressing the disguise, Jesus tells us that when we receive them, we receive him. That when we serve them, we serve him. We have to see everyone around us as people who have been created with immeasurable worth. My question this morning is, do we see them that way? They're created in the image of our creator. Jesus loves them, and he's calling us to show his love to them. But I wonder this morning, do we really know? Do we really know the hungry among us? Do we really see the needs around us? Do we see and identify with the broken and the poor? and extends Christ's love to them? Do we see those we are called to serve? Do we see Jesus in everyone? An example was shared a number of years ago in Campus Life magazine, and I read it recently, and it just captured my attention. A young nurse wrote of learning to see in a patient the image of God in a very distressing disguise. The young nurse shared the story of a lady by the name of Eileen. 
Eileen was one of her first patients. As a, she was a very young nurse, and Eileen was ver, one of her very first patients. And, and she described Eileen as a person who was totally helpless, a cerebral aneurysm, uh, broken blood vessels in the brain, had left her with no conscious control whatsoever over her body. And as near as the doctors could tell, Eileen was totally unconscious, unable to feel pain, unable to really know anything that was going on around her. And so it was the job of the staff there in the, in the nursing center where she worked to turn her every hour to prevent bed sores and to feed her twice a day what looked like thin mush through a tube. Caring for her was a thankless task. One older nurse told this young nurse the first night that she was there, when it's this bad, you have to detach yourself emotionally from the whole situation. Otherwise, you would get sick every time you walked into her room. As a result, the more and more she came to be treated as a thing, as a vegetable. And the hospital jokes about her room were gross and dehumanizing. But the young nursing student decided that she could not treat this person like others had treated her. And so she began to talk to Eileen. She sang to her. She would encourage her and even brought Eileen little gifts from time to time. One day, things were especially difficult, and it would have been easy for this young nurse. She was having a really bad day. Ever have a really bad day? She was having a really bad day, and for this young nurse, it would have been, admittedly, she said, so easy to take her frustrations on everyone around her, including Eileen, but this day she chose to be especially kind. You see, this was Thanksgiving Day. And the nurse, as she went in to see Eileen, she told the patient, she said, you know, this is Thanksgiving, and I was supposed to be off today. But they have called me in. And she said, you know, Eileen, once I, once I got here today, I just want you to know I'm glad I'm here because I wouldn't want it, wanted to have missed spending Thanksgiving with you. Do you know it's Thanksgiving, Eileen? And about that time, the phone rang, and the nurse turned around to answer the phone, and she very quickly answered the question, hung up the phone, and as she turned back around to Eileen, Eileen's eyes were open, and tears were coming down her face. The pillow became wet, stained with the tears that she was crying, and she began to shake all over that was the only emotion that Eileen ever showed the hospital staff. But it completely transformed the way that everyone else in the hospital treated Eileen. Not long after that, the, the young nurse would write that Eileen did pass away. And she closes her story by saying this. She said, I keep thinking about her. It occurred to me that I owe Eileen an awful lot. Had it not been for Eileen... I might have never known what it's like to give myself to someone who can't give back. I might have never known what it's like to give myself to someone who can't give back. You see, this young nurse, she was able to identify the poor and the hurting in her midst. I wonder how many of us really, really know the poor and the hurting in our midst. Do we see? I mean, do we really look? I don't know what jumped out at you as you heard this story today. It captured me. One phrase that jumped out at me 
may God help me, the phrase that jumped out at me was how often do we detach ourselves emotionally from the whole situation? How, long, how often do we detach ourselves emotionally from the whole situation? Whatever the situation is, whatever the poor and the needy are around us, it can be so easy for us to begin to make excuses and rationalize, right? You know the def- definition of what it means to rationalize. Look, here's what it means. To attempt to explain or justify our behavior or attitude with logical, plausible reasons, even if these are not true. I share that with you this morning because it's so easy for us to rationalize things away and remove ourselves emotionally from situations that God has opened the door for us to step into and share the love of Christ with those around us. May God help us not to make excuses. May God help us to see, you know what? In your life, it may never be an Eileen. But God will bring people and situations into your life where he's opening the door wide for you to serve the poor and the needy among us. However you classify poor and needy. Someone can be very rich in the wealth of this world and be spiritually bankrupt and God is calling you to them. Mother Teresa, she is quoted as asking these hard questions. Do we know the poor in our family? Maybe the, maybe the members of our family, co-workers or neighbors or those we attend church with, are not hungry for a piece of bread. Maybe they're not naked or homeless, but do any of them feel unwanted or unloved? The poor come to us, come to all of us in many forms. Let us be sure that we never turn our backs on them wherever we may find them for When we turn our backs on the poor, we turn our backs on Jesus Christ. See, this is the reality of this passage. Say, Pastor, this is heavy today. Like, you're really laying it on us today. I believe the Holy Spirit of God wants to challenge us to move beyond maybe what has become the the rut of the way that we live and, and get us out of that so that we can serve others with the love of Christ and experience seeing Jesus work in ways that we never thought he could, all because we've just been obedient to serve and do what he would ask us to do. You see, God is looking to answer a need with me, and he's looking to answer a need with you. He's calling us to serve those around us. Who's he calling you to serve? Who's he calling you to reach out to? Who's he calling you to love? It may be some of those people that he laid on your heart to connect with last week, and you need to say, God, would you open my eyes? And help me to see ways that I can practically serve them in the love of Christ. There may be someone that is calling you to serve in Christ's name who, like Eileen, can't give back. And can I remind you today that doesn't have to be someone who is in a medical situation like Eileen, but can I remind you today that there are people all around us who can't give back. It may be someone that's older than you, It may be someone that's a lot different than you. It may be someone that's younger than you. It was a year ago this past week. I would not have remembered this. God reminded me this week. It was a year ago this past week that the Lord called Michelle and I to foster children. And I put it that way. If you were here a year ago, I I presented it to you that way. God has called, as real as my call to ministry was, that's how the Lord laid this on my heart. It's been a long, hard, 
messy year of ministry. Pastor, can you say that? I just did. <laughs> Call it straight. It's been a long, hard, messy year. But my prayer from the beginning has been this. Without even the wisdom and the understanding that I'm sharing with you today, my prayer has been that Christ would remind me that I, as I'm loving them, I'm loving him. As I'm serving them, I'm serving him. As I clean up after a meal, as I put sheets back on a bed that's been wet, and that's Michelle and I's deal, she takes them off and washes them and I put them back on. Cleaning up a spill. You see, when it's all for Jesus, I never get frustrated at the kids. Amen. The hardest day um, for me was back a few weeks ago when the children that we'd had for six months I told you about this. We got the phone call. Hey, they got to go back in 24 hours, and there was just a lot of unanswered questions, and they went back. The day that they were supposed to go back, um, here's how it went down. So Michelle got a call and said, what we need you guys, to, what we need you to do is we need you to meet at a, at a gas station or somewhere like that in public place. This was a place. And we need you to meet with, with mom and then the, some explanation was given by Michelle. One of the kids was with their dad, who does not have custody and no rights. And he would be bringing her back at the same time we would be meeting with mom. It was like the standoff at the old K Corral. Mom pulls in on this side, and dad pulls in on this side. Now, here was the deal. So Michelle, we'd talk early in the day that day, and she said, hey, don't, I said, you need me to come. Now, now guys, let me just tell you. There are some questions you just don't need answers to, Okay. This was one of those, like, you need, no, I don't need you to, it's okay, it'll be fine. Okay. Needless to say, uh, when the time was coming, my truck was in the parking lot, I was standing at a distance just to be there for her. So dad pulls in on one side, mom on the other, and I walk over and we take the kids and we get them and we walk across and give the kids to mom and open the back of Michelle's van, and I don't think there could have been anything left in our house because it was all in the back of Michelle's van. Like we have a, a, a Dodge, or a, a Chrysler Town and Country, they have like a, like a Kia, like the tiniest car you can think of, and I'm going, how are we gonna get that in there? We literally gave them everything that we could give them, loaded it up, and with no discussion, for the most part, this car goes this way. This car goes this way. Michelle and I are standing there about where that sign is. Looking at each other going, what in the world just happened? Six months of investment and, and loving and caring and pouring into and trying to make a difference. And in 30 seconds, whoosh. And I looked at Michelle and I said, let's go get a Coke. <laughs> And as we're walking over, literally, that's what we did. I walked over, we got a Coke. And it was like the Holy Spirit whispered, who'd you do it for? Did you do it for a thank you? What were your expectations? Were you expecting them just to? I said, no, Lord. It's all for you. Amen. See, here's the thing. I believe we could understand this serving thing a whole lot deeper if we could just get the vision that, you know what? 
All I have to do is be obedient. And it really doesn't matter whether I get a thank you, whether I get accolades, whether on this earth any glory is given. Here's what matters. Jesus, it's all for you. Every service, every opportunity, every word spoken in love, every dollar given, everything. Jesus, it's all for you. Why? Think about what Jesus Christ has done for you. What he's done for me. Can I tell you the most beautiful expression of my wife's faith was when I opened the back of that van and she's saying, it's all for you. Jesus Christ, like literally, he's backed up the bus of heaven and said, it's all for you. And what he wants us to do is live our lives saying, because of Jesus, what he's done for me, it's for you, and it's for you, and it's for you, and I want to give it to you, and I want to live it out before you, and I want you to see Jesus, and I want you to know him. It's for you, because of what he's done. Jesus, it's all for you. I wonder this morning, what breaks your heart? See, what breaks our heart is where we start. What breaks your heart this morning? I could stand here and give you a host of ways, but here's what I'm trusting today. The Holy Spirit's already beat me to it. And I'm trusting that right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking, and this week the Holy Spirit will speak, and the, the, the curtain of heaven, so to speak, will be pulled back. And that God will begin to lay on your heart ways that you can just show the love of Christ to others. I know that he will help us. I wonder this morning. God is looking for someone to answer a need, and I believe. I know it's me, and it's you. Stand with me if you would this morning. Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts to the voice of your Spirit this morning, and we're so thankful, Jesus, for all that you have done for us, your grace, your mercy, your love that's been showered upon us. And Lord, the outflow of that is that very same grace and mercy love poured into those around us and I pray this morning that you would open our hearts to what you want to do. I believe that you're calling people to get outside of what they've thought and what they've done and judgments that they've made and my prayer is today that as we just take this moment at the end to give an opportunity for response that people would just respond to what you're speaking today, Lord. That they would just come and pray right now and ask for your help. Maybe in some cases, ask for your forgiveness. Ask for you to begin a work in them that is real and new and fresh so that they can allow it to be poured into the lives of others. Lord, do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, if you'd like to come and